You're listening to Fueled, a Finstamaker podcast, and I'm your host, Catherine Finstamaker. So today we are here with Mark Finstamaker, who has been employed within the family company since 1985 and has served in various capacities since joining the team. He is currently serving as our Director of Corporate Resources. Mark is heavily involved in all new capital expenditures and supervises construction, operation, and maintenance of all buildings, as well as supervising the purchase and maintenance of all vehicles and equipment. Mark is also involved in the in-house design and fabrication of specialized equipment for our field operations. All this, I know, keeps you very busy, and so I want to thank you for taking time to be a guest on this season of Fuel. Well, you're welcome. (laughs) It's great to have you. So uh, we'll just launch into it, if you don't mind. I'd love for you to talk to me a bit about your life leading up to working at Finstamaker. I know that my dad, your oldest brother, loves to say that you slept with an extension cord instead of a teddy bear as a kid. So does that kind of mean you've always been into the technical side of things, like taking things apart and discovering how they work? (laughs) I've heard that story many times about sleeping with an extension cord. I I really don't remember that part, but I was always interested in technology growing up. We actually lived near a a garbage dump where we would brought our bikes, jump the fence and pull out all kinds of equipment, bring it home and take it apart and build things. As a child, I had many friends that were also interested in electrical and mechanical things, and we we would always build gadgets and bring them to school, and and uh, it was a, it was a fun childhood. I guess I just kept that throughout my life. I, I really enjoy electronics, and you know now with computers, uh, software development, and so I've always enjoyed it. So you were that kid at show and tell. You always had something. Oh, yeah, we always had, uh, you know, my friends, yeah, we always had something. Something cooking. We were an interesting group. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that being said, how was it that you came to work at Finstamaker? Actually, I had my own business for about four years after school. I I went to school for electronics and and I had my own business and uh, I was actually repairing equipment for the company and my brother, Bill offered me a job to work for the company and I was struggling with my own business so it, it wasn't a hard decision to make. When I came to work for the company I, I went to a few schools to uh, work on the equipment that we were utilizing in the field and I just continued doing that probably for the first 10 years. I mainly worked on field equipment. I had the opportunity to go on jobs and that really helped me understand how the equipment was used and helped me understand what the guys are going through that use the equipment. And so we, we got a lot of good ideas from that. I think that was very valuable for me moving forward with the company. How do you remember our founder, CH, around the office? I've heard a lot, but um, how was he with you like as a boss did you find that side of him much different than what you knew of him at home? Well, my father really wasn't my boss. He was on the edge of retirement as long as I've been with the company. Bill took over the business a few years before I, I came on as an employee. But my father stuck around. He was, uh, you know, he did a lot of programming and he came to the office every day. 
he was a very analytical person, but he was very old school. So he was all work and no play. And everybody respected him because he was very intelligent. And he really knew every aspect of the business. When I started with the company, Bill had already taken over the operations. So CH pretty much did programming all day. At home, Dad was still involved with his work. I always remember my father bringing home reams of paper containing programs that he was working on at the office. And I really didn't understand it, but it seemed like all my memories of my father at home were him with these stacks of paper (laughs) sifting out programs. If he wasn't doing that, he was playing solitaire and reading science magazines. (laughs) I remember that. Him always playing solitaire over here. I would come over and... Oh, he would wear out cards, but I think it gave him... (laughs) It gave him the opportunity to think about things. And and I remember him also doing uh, crossword puzzles. Yeah. A lot, I guess, to keep his mind ticking. And Meemaw did that, too. So how was our founder, and you kind of, I mean, you touched on this, but how was he with the latest technology? Did you find him to be cutting edge, or did he try to be cutting edge? Was he intrigued by technology, and, like, did you ever see him shy away from it? Well, CH loved technology and in the sense of streamlining workflow. What a lot of people think of technology today, it really didn't exist, all the flashiness of technology. The technology was an engine to get work done. And uh, my father really saw the advantage of of incorporating technology in the business. And, uh, you know, in those days, you couldn't just buy a software package that did it all. You know, you were dealing with large computer systems and very crude computer systems. So he built most of the programs that they used in the office. These were no frills programs, but they worked well and it kept the office running. You know, he would adapt to, as technology would change, he would adapt to that technology and uh, he would adapt his programs as well. When I started with the company, PCs were just becoming mainstream for the business world. It was all suitcase computers. And and, uh, so I don't think he's ever seen anything later than a 386 computer, you know, in in his tenure with Fenstermaker. But he dealt with computers pretty much his whole business life. Yeah. So, I mean, as he got older, it just seems like the whole time he he was always kind of on the up and up. Like, like he wasn't change averse. Like, he was always evolving, it seems. He did. Before the internet, there was BBS systems, which a lot of people, you know, don't, you know, there was a few years where you had these boards that you would dial up to, to get information. And then when the internet came out, it was a wonderful thing. He utilized the internet to get a lot of information. He thought it was great. So aside from being tech savvy, or maybe in addition to that, what aspects of your dad's personality and character do you think helped to lay that early foundation for a successful business here in operation over 70 years later? Everyone that knew my father really, you know, he demanded perfection. And there was, if there was any question about a job, he would make sure it was done again and done right. I think, you know, if he had something to say, he always said it (laughs) and no matter how crude it was, but he said what he believed And I think people respected that, you know, at the time. I mean, he's told me a lot of things that that I didn't want to hear, but I really respected him telling me what I needed to hear at the time. 
So just a straight shooter. Straight shooter. Old school. (laughs) What would you say is the most important lesson that you learned from your father pertaining to life or business? What resonates most within you? You know, dad always delivered advice with a story. And sometimes I would forget the advice, but I always remembered the story. I guess the lesson I remember most was he would always say before making any big decision or large purchase to think about it at least 24 hours. You know, I look back and almost every bad decision I've made, I didn't follow that advice. You know, I've heard that before about storytelling as a mechanism for like teaching lessons. I mean, obviously, biblically, that's kind of the way it is. You know, Jesus taught in parables and that's kind of how our mind best processes. But I never heard that about granddad. So that's really cool that he sort of followed that recipe, I guess. So you've worked here for many years now, actually over 35. Uh, You've seen a lot of people come and go, weathered the ups and downs within the industry and the economy. Do you see anything as having been a constant throughout all that time? There is a can-do spirit with our employees and um, our team members. It seems like every slowdown, people really... The drive around here is technology and and innovation. When we're slow, it gives people the opportunity to work on things that they've been thinking about. Every time I've walked through the building and and hear about what's going on, right now we're just coming out of a, a downturn. And it's very impressive to see what people are doing and how this technology is adapting quickly within the business. It seems like it's always always something that starts up when we're slow so i I guess that's good use of time but um yeah maybe people when they're not so caught up in the hustle and bustle of you know getting out a project or you know verifying a deliverable whatever the case may be they have time to i guess like develop themselves professionally or technically learn a new skill or um, leverage their time wisely Right. And it, it gives them time to work with other other people in their departments. And they have real good ideas. It, it's I'm amazed every time I, I see some of their work. <laughs> we do have some great people here, some really smart people and uh, just like really technically minded people. Along the lines of being here for over three decades, and I've heard some stories about different characters along the way. Can you pinpoint any individuals who have had a lasting impact on you, any mentors or just people in general over the years that have really made an impression on you? You know, we've had a lot of people here that I've respected tremendously. Um, Actually, my brother-in-law, Brad Hamilton, has been with the company since I started and he's retired now. But growing up, Brad worked with the space program and he had ample equipment at his house dealing with electronics and components and brad was a mentor all my life Uh, brad would take us fishing and hunting he taught me a lot about electronics and before i went to school for it and brad was a very patient person i think he really mentored me through my employment with finstermaker and I, i really appreciate his efforts i didn't know that i didn't know he worked with nasa well, he worked with Texas Instruments. He, Brad worked 
on the space program for Texas Instruments. Oh, my God. And so he had a lot of neat stuff at his house. So amazingly, he would let me play in his workshop with all his equipment. And he and my mother would always say, oh, he's be careful. He's going to break something. He says, oh, you can't break anything in there. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't know that. I guess y'all do have kind of a, a widespread between y'all's ages. Yes, uh, Brad, actually, my sister was a lot older than me. And so when they were dating, Brad and Mary Kay, my sister was dating. I was probably maybe five or six years old. I saw a lot of neat things that inspired me and probably inspired my interest in electronics even more. So That's really cool. I really didn't know that. So tell me about the evolution of the company over the last several decades, culturally and technologically. What are some interesting ways that times have changed from your vantage point? Culturally, I think we have a, a lot more work, uh, relaxed work environment. I remember CH having a very rigid office. Culturally, things have changed over the years. And, you know, I think it's it we changed with the times. And, yeah. and uh, you know, a lot of people are comfortable at work and everybody's pretty much the same. But people let their hair down a little more. <laughs> as far as technology goes, I think one of the biggest things was cell phones. Cell phones. Uh, I remember a time where people would go out in the field and you had no communication until you finished the job. You would call into the office and when beepers came out, that was like the greatest thing. You know, we can, (laughs) we can get in touch with somebody in the field. And, and then when GPS came out, we thought, Oh, we're not gonna have a business anymore. Everybody's just going to have a GPS and surveys are going to be obsolete. But we found that GPS actually increased our business so that was a major stepping stone for Fenstermaker. And, uh, and then computers, you know, everything was done numerically and digitizing was all hand done. And now with graphics, I mean, everything is drawn out for you on the computer, which is totally different from the, the way the company started. There's been a lot of change, you know, a lot of change in the way we do things. And uh, uh, it's just, yeah, there's been a lot of change. So I want to understand more about how GPS like increased our business. Was it that people were just moving faster and like there were more projects on hand or it just like increased the demand for? Well, uh, GPS allows uh, GPS allows clients to do things that were just not feasible before GPS to survey land. You had to turn angles. You had to measure distances. You had to have clear line of sight. So you would clear trees. It was just very labor intensive. It to survey in an area that you haven't surveyed in before, you would have to set up control and it was just a long process. Yeah. GPS allows us to go anywhere and set up control and, and start working. You know, there's no pulling chains, there's no you know, at one time we had two-way radios that had to transmit at least five miles, you know, to for the guys to to communicate when they turn in angles, you don't have to have that anymore. You know, GPS just made everything so much easier. We don't have four-man crews anymore. A lot of times it's two-man crews, you know, with GPS. Speaking of that, and just after having talked to Uncle John, did you ever have interest in becoming a land surveyor yourself? Uh, no. <laughs> just flat out, no. It's an interesting field, but it's, I don't have any interest in doing it actually worked with the field crews and 
I thought it was interesting, but I have no interest in it. Just as a method of gaining like better insight and understanding for the things that you're building here to serve. Right. Mm-hmm. And back in the 90s, I've act- I actually wrote a data collective program for the field crews to use. And I learned a lot about surveying actually from my father. He gave me a lot of tips in my programming and and a lot of formulas to use in the programming and uh i thought it was very interesting but it's not something i would prefer than electronics yeah well i think maybe and just from how i heard him talk about it it seems like uncle john had like a nostalgia for it and like that's how he that was his mechanism for i guess bonding with y'all's dad yes so i wonder about how y'all bonded like I guess y'all had that, like, love for the technical side of things that you had in common. You know, my father supported us. Uh, you know, whatever we did, he supported us. And, uh, you know, growing up, probably 12 years old, I was installing ceiling fans for all our neighbors. <laughs> and I'm surprised none of the houses burned down. But, <laughs> but you know, my father talked. He was my best salesman for my, my fan business. <laughs> He's promoting you all the way through. So look, I know you build things all the time and people are always coming to you to assist with the challenges we face when staring down new and difficult projects. So what are some of the wildest requests that you've gotten and what is something that you've built that even made you go, wow, like that's neat right there. I've had some crazy requests, but that's what makes the job fun. I guess the funnest project and craziest project we've worked on was a we worked with this other company to come up with this unique concept of determining toxicity in the environment and um, you know in the actually in water so they had this concept to use bioluminescent organisms and um, so we worked with this company for a while and we came up with a plan and my role was to design and build a device that would chop up these organisms and measure the light output or the luminescence from the organisms over time. And so, you know, the light output would fizzle out quicker if the controls, quicker than the control sample if the water that's being tested is considered toxic. It was a very neat project. And so, you know, my job was to develop this sensor or this device to measure that very fun project. And then another part of the project was to build a device that would scribe the glass microscope slides that uh, we would cut grooves in the microscope slides to corral the organisms. And that was another neat project. But uh, I guess, uh, (laughs) well, the project combined a lot of software and electronics design. And that's what I love to do most. So I would have to say that was my funnest project. And who was the client for that? Are we- uh, the company was called Lumitox. It was a company out of Slidell. We were doing some environmental work with them. We believed in the product, and it, it actually went before the EPA a few times. And uh, the current method is, is using shrimp. And if a shrimp dies, well, then the water's toxic. If the shrimp lives, the water's good. And it's an old process that, you know, it seemed like this was a lot better process but it really never caught on it didn't stick it didn't stick with the epa <laughs> a lot of people still use it uh yeah. for a lot of co- we built several of these machines for ul and a few other colleges were using them and i know another thing recently 
that y'all were building, like, y'all did a lot of, like, welding for this autonomous vessel carrying sonar and... Right. We did build an autonomous vessel. That was another fun project. Yeah. Wasn't as challenging. Shoulder shrug. <laughs> wasn't challenging oh, as... Oh, no as big a... deal. <laughs> Just an autonomous watercraft. So, okay. This is kind of a serious question, but... Through the downturns especially, what do you think is at the heart of this company that has allowed it to endure? And you did talk about sort of this can-do spirit of all of our colleagues. But do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it's just we have, you know, again, I'm always impressed to learn what the other departments are doing and as far as innovation and the jobs they're working on. You know, we have so many personalities over here, and I, I really think that's a good thing. It really covers all bases when we do things, and it's a neat system. Yeah, I guess we do have a lot of diversity, especially with, I guess, through the downturns and looking at diversification, looking at like other markets to approach and just bringing on new talent. It must be exciting to have been here, I guess, sort of from square one, if you will, to like see that evolution and new people coming on with new technical specialties and things like that to work with. So all that being said, and just thinking about the impact of our founder and everything else, where do you think that you've been able to make an impact on the business? And what do you hope that your lasting impression will be? You know, I've been with the company a long time, and I've seen a lot of growth really exponentially since. And, um, you know, when the company's grown or as the company grows, you see it, you have to put a lot of systems in place to keep up with that growth. You know, we had to figure out a lot of things about what works and what doesn't work. And you have to constantly refine those processes. And most of the processes and procedures we use today are, are a result of that. I could say that along with all, a lot of other senior employees, we all played a part of that. And so, you know, whether it's it's remembered that I was part of that. I'm not, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I've, it feels good to have been part of that. Sort of like building that infrastructure that everybody can, like a scaffolding for everyone to kind of follow going forward. Yeah, I think so. I can't say that people are going to remember me as being this guy, but, you know, maybe so. <laughs> I think people remember you as being the, the pack like rat. No, I mean, maybe in addition to that, like just a technical wizard. I mean, well, you're I have like some... the go-to guy for building any contraption or fixing anything. I mean, you're like yes. Inspector Gadget. <laughs> well, over the years, you know, I've, I've, a lot of people have confidence in my abilities to do things, and which I appreciate, and, and it's fun doing those things. But I'm sure there's other people that do it just as well. <laughs> I doubt that, on very honestly. <laughs> so, okay, this is a closing question that I ask everybody who appears on the podcast and in the spirit of the podcast name, Fueled. What fuels you? Like, what drives you in general, in life, in your career, work, family, etc.? That's a hard question. I'm very fortunate to have a good marriage, a healthy family, and a job that I enjoy. My work is my hobby, and and my hobby is my work, and and it's what I like to do. And so at home, I'm constantly building things. I enjoy fishing, and I enjoy just taking time and working in the yard and doing things with family. Um, you know, my children have grown, and so I enjoy doing things with my wife, you know, 38 years. And, you know, I guess 
that's what makes me happy. I don't know if it drives me, but that's what makes me happy. And I've been very fortunate. Yeah. Well, that's what fills your cup. That's what fills my cup. Well, all that said, thank you so much for taking time to talk a little bit about the origins of the company and how you fit into the story. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Okay. Well, you're welcome.